Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VaultQuest.com podcast with Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us. Tennessee plays BYU on Saturday. Long ways to go before they get to that game. Lots to talk about before we get to that game. I don't really know where to start. Um, I, I guess we start with, we talked about it a lot after the game. We certainly have written a lot about it. Chance to digest it. Had a chance to hear Jeremy Pruitt visit with the media. Where, if you're putting a bow tie on week one, can you bow tie? Can can you can you put a bow on it? Anybody? I've never tried to put a bow tie on crap. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I mean, there's a lot to dive into. But but how do you? If somebody says, "Hey, I was out of the country," whatever, what the world happened on week one? It wasn't a fluke. It's probably the simplest distillation you can say. Georgia State was the better team. The fact that there probably wasn't a single guy on that roster, on the Panthers roster, that Jeremy Pruitt and his staff had any interest in should be alarming. And the bigger picture deal for me, and this is something that I think we all have to keep in mind moving forward, I try to constantly remind myself this each off season. Every now and then you can kind of get sucked in. But I wrote about this at the beginning of my review piece. We honestly know so little about these teams until you actually get to see them with your own eyes for sixty minutes. Yeah, it's true. It's just it's 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 the big it's 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 and it's crazy. Not, it's not whining. It's not, it's not belly aching. It's, it's, it's that's reality. just the way it is with college football. It's across the sport, outside of the best teams, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Georgias that you know are going to be there. Every from every team to a Tennessee to a Michigan that people were surprised about. To, it's just it's nine months of mystery. And then you go on that blind date that first Saturday, and you don't know what you're going to get. And you know what we got? We got an, a, a truly shocking and appalling show. Which is why, with like practice observations, and I'm all, and I'm more like in the in the camp of you guys are, are probably a little bit opposite of me. I, I never, I feel like you take everything you see with a little bit of a grain of salt because they do move stuff around when we leave. But the biggest deal is all these people. And there's a ton of people Saturday night. All you guys should saw this coming. I mean, you. No access. It's the same access we've gotten for ten years. Coach, we see as much practice now as we did with Butch in the latter years of Dooley. I mean, it's not like that. This is some like revelation that Jeremy's come in and cut off the media. That's just dumb. You know, no. So you're right. I mean, you don't know a whole lot about them, and and realistically, we still we still know nothing. We've seen sixty minutes against. uh, We know uh, not very good. This sixty minutes was more that you know than the last nine months of all the conversations we've had publicly and privately, and that's kind of been my point that I've said. I said on the radio. I wrote it. There's just again, so much of it is college football for nine months exists in the shadows. It's all about whispers. It's all about and so. You know what? We got 60 minutes with our own eyes, and we saw Tennessee was not inspired. They did not look prepared, even though the head coach said they had a good game plan and said they made solid in-game adjustments. Did he say he was comfortable with, with what they did? What was the word he, he was used? comfortable that they knew what to do. Okay. Yeah, he was comfortable and with the in plan my, and, and they knew what to do. And he specifically followed up and said, in my opinion, I thought we made nice some nice in-game adjustments. Yeah. I, just, I mean, I was just, we, we do both lines of scrimmage with a question mark. Sure. I mean, not everybody. I mean, we talked about that ad nauseum, but... The, the fact that they were just so abysmal on in the defensive front and the offensive front, I mean, I, mean, I was shocked. Shocked. I mean, 215 yards rushing for Georgia State. Tennessee has 93, t- minus two in the second half with four quarterback sacks. And a couple of those were on Jarrett. But See, I, I'm going to go with, I don't, I think, uh, we, you know, Jesse and I always do S&P. I think the offensive line is stock stagnant. I don't think you know because they did some things early. They did pass protect pretty well, and, and you're right. A couple of those, uh, they're not even on Jarrett, but they're also on uh, on, on on running backs. Um, 
Running back pass protection yeah, was terrible. it was terrible. So, like, I, I think that they're kind of – it's the defensive line. I mean, Middleton, Middleton's not tough enough. Savion Williams, just I don't know if he's big enough. I, th- maybe he is. Maybe I, I just feel like compared to the others. And then Karat Garland. I mean, how do you not – How do you go from the transfer how do you portal go, to – to what, the field. Jesse, you count up. What did he play? Four, have four full practices after he acclimated? I mean, four, and, he, and he got 20 snaps on Saturday. Which I mean, was significantly more than who? I mean, it was like, Matthew Butler. Butler, who Butler got, four. got four snaps. Mincy, I think, played like five. And Simmons didn't play at all, Hubs. <laughs> right. Right. Which, I mean, which is an eye-opener. And I'm sure a lot of people in that room are going, wait a minute. What 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 are, what are we doing here? You know, here's, here's – I'm, I'm with you on the offensive line in that I don't know that – I don't think they're as bad – I think they're. I think they're going to be better there. I think. I think some of the sacks were definitely on the quarterback. Um, Jared continued to struggle to see. You know, I thought he missed open receivers. I didn't think he read enough stuff pre-snap. I do think that offensive line's got to find five guys, Rob, at some yeah. point. I mean, I'm a, I mean you, you can't every seven plays or every ten plays or every other drive, whatever it is, continue to rotate I those guys. I mean, I just I don't get that. And I mean, I know I'm not the only one, but I haven't gotten that all fall camp. While there was no urgency to. Find your five best offensive linemen. I bet you the athletic. I bet you the athletic director here thinks that offensive line chemistry is is a big deal. Well, and then and then you've got and and, and listen. I mean, we, we, I want to talk con, con, constructive criticisms and with you know factual stuff. The, the Jameer Johnson stuff is 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 boggling, almost as boggling as, as the Garland stuff from the standpoint of he's a guy that's praised. You know, he plays a bunch of snaps. He played the best really played of anybody. Well. Um, I don't know what he's, you know, we'll have the, all the grades, you know, the PFF grades a little bit later today, but uh, I mean, he's a guy who played well, but this is a guy that they were, they were beyond angry with him, like sit and watch type practice for 10 Hold days. your helmet. Second, second scrimmage. Darnell Wright led all the offensive linemen with 59, uh, reps. reps. Number two was Jameer Johnson at 50. Okay. So that's coming out of the second scrimmage. After the second scrimmage, cause you only had two. He had four straight days where he did not practice. He was out there when we were out there, but he did not practice because of weight. Because he was like 271, 72 pounds. And, and the staff wanted him to be at 285. Now they ended up relenting because he never reached 285 because they told him he wasn't going to practice until he got to 285. He's still not at 285. And, no. <laughs> you know, and, and then the first day that he got back out there was a, was a, you know, was a struggle bus conditioning wise because he had, you know, miss four days, and which to me seems like a bit bizarre. I mean, he should be in good condition where if he misses four days, unless it was he doing going to Waffle House for four days. Uh, you know, I, I just it, it's the, the, that one, but still, Karat Garland just is the biggest mind blower to me because you go back to the last staff and Butch was crucified by a lot of people for letting certain offensive linemen quote quit the team or miss three days because they were threatening to quit the team and then come back and were inserted right in the line. Now, now, granted, Karat Garland did not start. But played as many snaps as Bumpus. But he, yeah, but he played right. so many snaps compared to you know the, the rest Butler. of those guys that are along the same ilk. I mean, this is Karak Garland. We're not talking about. I mean, no, we're not even talking about Jameer Johnson. Or we're sure not talking about Trey Smith, who didn't really go through fall camp. Karak Garland was a throw-in because they needed warm bodies two years ago, and you know they had had an in at that high school when they were recruiting the kid to end up going to Florida State. You know, I mean, like any other class, there's no way he ends up here. I, 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 to me, it shows you it tells you exactly where they think they are up front along the defense. Well, and, and I will say this: in rewatching the game, I, I did think I thought Emerson actually flashed at times, and I thought he ran to the ball hard, which some other defensive linemen didn't do. And I actually even thought Middleton made a couple plays. The, the guy, 
talk about a week ago, everyone was so excited that Tennessee finally got the Aubrey Solomon green light. Hubs, you and I even said, we don't know. This is good, big news from a depth standpoint, from an upside standpoint. But even potentially, I guess, from an experience standpoint, because at least Solomon had played some. But he did not, he did not like wow me on Saturday. And a particularly concerning thing when you rewatch the tape is the linebackers. You know, Toa Toa, I think, should play every snap. He's going to make some mistakes. But I, the, the yanking him off the field because he might have made a mistake in pass, in pass coverage. Doesn't do anything confidence-wise for that kid. Well, it's just go, you know, go rewatch the first drive of the third quarter. How the, the defensive staff just seems to be throwing up their hands and being like, well, this guy screwed up. Take him off the field. Put another game. He screwed up. They did that with every middle inside linebacker. They pulled Henry. They put in Ignat. They pulled Ignat. They put in Jeremy Banks. Jeremy Banks gives up the touchdown. I mean, I just it, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, here's the other thing, too. I mean, back to the defensive line. I, look, they got, they got shoved around all day long. We all know that. But in watching it, and you and I talked about it on Sunday, and I'm not giving them a pass for any of that. They were outnumbered, though. I mean, they didn't commit anybody else in the box to help them stop the run. You're asking them to win a young, inexperienced group who certainly struggled to line up, has has football IQ issues, to to win a bunch of one-on-one battles to stop third and short. It was really bizarre. Fourth and one, you're still in a nickel. Yeah, you're in nickel and fourth and one, third and one, you're staying in in those formations and not creeping anybody to the line of scrimmage to try to get a stop there. they didn't help their defensive. A bad defensive line didn't get any help either. A hundred percent. And I know, you know, a lot of folks, you know, there's a lot of folks who know way more about football than I do. And including I know, those people over there. Including those guys making a huge amount of money. But I think you and I can also do basic math. And I, I know they do a lot of nine on eight in practice. But you don't have to do that in the game. You got 11 guys. Use them. Rotate a safety down. Put another guy in the box. I mean, I put it in my piece. Other folks noted it. As t- I mean, how many times was Tennessee six versus eight? Or seven verse nine with a running quarterback that was giving them fits. And it's just yeah, way, way too, many. too many. All right, so Jeremy Pruitt is known, Rob, for being a defensive coordinator, as he as he personally acknowledged last week. It's why he got the why job head coach. at Tennessee. That should be obviously not the easiest thing to fix, but should be what he knows to fix the most. You're Jeremy Pruitt. It's Tuesday. You've had 48 hours to, to figure this out. What's your answer for fixing your defense? I mean, I, I think. Strip it down. I mean, I know he said it was simple. They had a simple game plan. I mean, if, if, if that's true, then they got real problems. I mean, I don't know that I believe that it was all that. You know, I mean, just like you said in post game, if you could only run one call, then run it. But you can't, I mean, the misalignment stuff that's just been blowing up on Twitter and, you know, almost becoming Tennessee's equivalent of the two Florida players blocking each other. I mean, that's just embarrassing. I mean, when you're. And how do you not call a timeout there? I mean, there was so many. I mean, there was. You I, mean, know, I mean, you got. I mean, Nigel Warrior's a senior. He's he's, he's made his twenty fifth start on on Saturday. How does somebody? And he, he had to see it in front of him. How yeah. Does, how does somebody that defense? Well, have and then Pruitt even, call a timeout? Pruitt even accepted blame on you know, on the Monday press conference that you know the you know the that's on him that it's it shouldn't be the expect. He didn't call a timeout. Tennessee didn't call a timeout then. They didn't call a timeout when they sent. DeAndre Johnson on the field late when it was still a close game. You need to stop there in the red zone. You need to stop. Pruitt talks about how important the red area is. You don't call a timeout there. And that there. was right in front of the, the Right cup. in I mean, front right. of him and Ansley. And earlier in that drive, you don't call a timeout when you send a guy out or you can't get 12 men off the field. And that was also right in front of the staff. I mean, that that sort of stuff is just inexplicable. I, I, like I said, I mean, I scale it back to, I mean, the, 
whatever the fundamental ABCs of his defense are. I mean, I, I mean, just guys have got to know what to do. I mean, if you can't get lined up, I mean, you're beat. You got no chance. And they need their junior quarterback to play better. They, I mean, that, that's that's going to be. You know, Jarrett said after the game, not too good, not too bad. I don't think those comments did did himself a lot of favors, but. I also don't think that, you know, he said that BYU did a lot of stuff they weren't expecting. You mean Georgia State? Or Georgia State, excuse me, did a lot of stuff they weren't expecting. Again, I mean, when you when you rewatch the stuff, it didn't look like they were doing anything particularly complicated. You know, this was a pass defense that was the worst in the country a year ago. Every time Tennessee tried to find that little uh, seam or slant to Jennings, they seemed to have some success, but they didn't go to that all the time. Obviously, they had nothing in the run game. And then Jarrett was just – he was careless with the football – and he kind of reversed back to what he did really early last season and then much since 2017 where before the snap he already knew, all right, this is where I'm going with the ball no matter what. And we saw it with the near with the interception that got overturned oh, that was to Josh Palmer. The Austin Pope play, I had that, you know, I mean, that was that was a big third down that Tennessee needed. He got, he throw Callaway's wide open because Jarrett doesn't wait for the play. He said, I'm just going to go right here. And there was other instances, too. You, you and I talked on the phone. You know, he missed the touchdown to Jawan Jennings. Jennings was pretty fur- furious at the end of the first half uh, about that one. And so, Pruitt alluded to that on, yeah, on Monday in his press did. conference about, you know, didn't see the right side of the field um, to, to where he, he was over there. And look, you're going to miss throws. No quarterback's ever played perfect from for that sure. standpoint. It's just, I mean, the throws he missed were critical throws. They were, they were conversion plays. That there were touchdown plays there. I wonder, Rob, if you're Jim Chaney, look, you've talked all offseason. Jared's talked all offseason about I've got control of this, that. I wonder if they simplify for him, do a little more check with me at the line of scrimmage, and let the coaching staff help them get into a better play for him until he starts to build in this offense. I say that because this was something that we saw with Chaney and Kiffin and Crompton when, when, when he was here. Remember UCLA – Total different loss, guys. I'm not comparing the two at all. They lose the game to UCLA. It's not very good. Crompton didn't play very well, and they seem to they seem to help him along a little further and built from there. I wonder if they look at doing that this week with Jerry Gary. I mean, I, I could possibly see that. I mean, I get I mean, I, I get the sense from Jared that it's not knowing the offense, but I think it's like like Jesse said. I, mean, I think, but I think I, I get the sense that Jared knows the offense. I just get the sense that. He just instinctively, man. I just, I just don't know that that he has the presence to where you know he sees the field like like he's supposed to. And I, I think Jesse hits the, hit the nail on the head. I mean, but which to me goes back to that Pope play where he, he throws it two yeah, yards. He lost, six he lost third the guys, and I mean, I, and I think another kind of example of what a you know it's it, it just kind of a lack of feel. I mean, kind of robot, like not not see not having the presence to see, to see that quarter blitz or to feel it the other day to know that's coming. I mean, for a guy that's going to his third year as a starting quarterback. I mean, you'd like to you'd like to think he's he's got more awareness. Throwing the ball out of bounds on fourth and three. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was just it was not his. It, it, and that was and that was honestly surprising because we again you haven't so you haven't seen anything for nine months. But behind the scenes, there was so much buzz and and positivity about Jarrett and his growth and his comfortability with changing. The head and coach had praised the head it, which coach, was you know, hey, yeah, same head, guy he wouldn't even exactly, reference a exactly. year ago and so called him his guy. Right. And so that was I was quite surprised by by that performance. So when you bring up the uh throwing out of bounds on four and three, I mean you go back two years ago, you know, when when Butch's last year talking about the interception. Plays at Alabama, and it, you know it, how, how heady of a football play was that? I mean, he, 
He kept it in the field of play. He threw a pick, but he at least tried to make a play there on the fourth down and goal down there against Alabama. Knew that does you no good to throw it out of bounds. And here two years later, he throws it out of bounds. And, you know, where's that same mindset? I, again, if I'm T. Martin or Jim Chaney or Jeremy Pruitt, the receivers that on third down and four that run it a route two yards or and the, and the quarterback that throws the ball to those said receivers, they, they would go to the bench. I mean, and, and at least watch. I'm not saying – bench them, but I would make them, I would set an example. I don't know if you can bench a quarterback. I, I mean, I, don't, I mean, that you may lose, you may, you can't do that in week two and lose, and lose him for the rest of the year because yeah, look, there's a, re- there's a reason he was, there was no competition behind exactly. him. No, I didn't say bench, him. I said I'd pull him up, I'd pull him but, for but one play. But you may lose him. What I'm saying is mentally you may completely lose him. You know, is there a I difference? Think, I mean, I think, they, I mean, I mean the difference is you don't play with him the rest of the year if he's done. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, look, we're 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 in a state where that's uh, that's what kids do. I mean, you know, we, we, I mean, we're you know heading up, and moving out, and, and heading elsewhere, and doing those other types of things. So, I, get, I, I think Jared gives them their Jared gives Tennessee the best chance. That's they where need, you got to help him. That's yes. why I'm wondering if Jim Chaney doesn't do some sight reading for him pre-snap. Okay, look, they're in this coverage. Okay, this is what you got. This is where you go with the football. We're going to pre-snap that for you and build into the offense that way. I wonder if we see that a little bit this week. I think the other thing that Jared needs help with, because it's not all on Jared, he's got to have a run game. And to have a run game, you got to run the football. you got to call some runs. Okay, and, and listen, I, I don't, I'm not interested in beating up on the coaching staff all the way, but they deserve tons of criticism here. This idea that the score got away from them in the second half where they had to throw it all the time is a farce. You led in the fourth quarter. And you ran the ball. You had, you had the lead in the fourth quarter. It wasn't like you were. It wasn't like Florida '96. You're down thirty-five nothing, yeah, I mean, and you got to throw it every day. They game. were great the first half. They had ninety-five yards rushing. That was respectable. They were, and they were balanced. And they had were, twenty rushes and twenty throws. And they were averaging four point seven yards a carry in the first half. If they duplicate that, they run for a, a buck ninety. Yeah. I mean, you take that every week. But and if they, I, I just again, they weren't dominant, but there was no reason to abandon. And, and that was. To, honestly, to me, the the, two, the the bet I would have lost, I'd have lost my house that they threw it the first two plays of the game. Okay, I know we don't get to watch a lot of practice, but to see what Jim Chaney had done with that offensive line for two and a half weeks, I would have bet my house the first play was going to be a run. Okay, not not first and second down being thrown, so I'd have lost that bet. The other bet I would have lost is if you'd have told me there wasn't a running back on the roster that got 10 carries, I didn't expect anybody to get 25 because I thought they were going to rotate everybody. But I thought somebody would get double-digit carries in a football game. Seven, the most anybody got. Yeah, I mean, and, and the tie, the tie stuff again makes no sense. I mean, he he was rewarded. He, he fumbled the ball multiple times in scrimmages, yet he was still rewarded with the start. The first one, it's hard to even really put on his shoulders. The second one was absolutely terrible fundamentals, and and he deserved to kind of be yanked a little. But to then to pull him completely, but then say, well, you can keep returning kicks for us. I it just. That doesn't add up to me. That just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, and that that first play, a it was it would have been an interception. If like, it would, if I don't it, think it ever hit the ground. It did not. It didn't hit the ground. But he ran a he ran the wrong route there. That 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 ball's always got to be going forward. It's never supposed to be a lateral on that play. It's always supposed to be a ball going forward. So you don't have that issue if the ball hits the ground there that it's a live football. So he bubbled too deep, or the quarterback didn't retreat enough. Those two guys were not on the same page there. Ball's not never supposed to be a lateral in that situation. So or a missile. You, you got an MA. You got a missed assignment on your first on your second play from scrimmage. Right. Which is you know not a good not a good start when you're scripted your first 15 plays of the game. 
the way although Zucci better does. than a year. What was it? The first, they fumbled the snap fumble on the first play a year ago. So, but they got the punt. That's true. They didn't give it. They didn't give it up in the red zone for a touchdown. That's a true. A few plays later. So, if you're Jim Cheney, I'm going to ask the same question. If you're Jim Cheney, what do you do this week for your offense? How do you fix it? What do you do? And look, I know people say, well, they scored 30 points. The last touchdown, eh, garbage. Okay, time. but but the, okay, what do you do to fix your? You only punted one time. So how do you fix what you got? You you fumbled in the spring, turned it over too much in spring, you turned it over in the preseason, and you turned it over on Saturday. What do you do? I mean, I don't know if they're capable. But, I mean, you got you to find some answers on the offensive line. I mean, I, I don't know how much better they're capable of being, but, I mean, you you got to do something. And I know they're going to say that they're going to, you know, practice all week and then determine who they start. But uh, to me, I, I would – reward the guys that played well Saturday, as long as they don't just fall asleep in practice this week. You know, I mean, if you felt like Jameer Johnson's your guy and had the best game, I'd start Jameer Johnson. You know, if you felt like, you know, you know, Darnell Wright was your best guy right tackle, I'd start Darnell Wright. Man, I, man he looks the part. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I would too. I mean, you know, I'm not saying you just... I'm not, not saying you have Amanda Marcus Tatum or those right. guys. I would not, not play one in Morris at left guard either. Although although he was in there at the end when they marched down the field for that sad trombone touchdown. But. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> That's true. End of the week, sad trombone. Uh, but but and I don't want to I don't want to say practice is not important, but you're also learn how guys react. You know, in in game situations. You found out who rose to the top, okay? Maybe Jameer Johnson's not the greatest practice player well, in your life. Well, and you go back to a week and a half ago, Jeremy's like, I've never seen anybody that, you know, didn't take it from the practice field, you know, to the game or, you know, that, that you Scrimmage. know, but, yeah, I'm, brother, you should have been here five years ago because number 11 was a terrible practice player and, 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 you know, got better over the course of his career, but when the lights came on on Saturday. Well, there's also a disconnect just naturally with those comments considering Jeremy Banks had played linebacker for two and a half practices and played <laughs> half the game on Saturday. J.J. Yeah. Peterson did not play a snap. Yeah, it goes back to what you were saying defensively, just grasping grasping at things. So you, you, you're obviously not who you thought you were going to be coming out of coming out of week one, heading into week two against a really good opponent. What, what should t- I mean, what should Tennessee fans take hope in? Okay? I mean, the sun came up, Hubs. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I, th- I think if you're looking for if you're looking for a positive, you know, you, you did see some young guys and and, and to some, some veterans too. I mean, Juwan Jennings was really good, competed, okay, guy you can trust. I thought Callaway did some good things. Probably didn't target him enough to the things that he does well. I agree with that. You know, throw some jump balls his way, little back shoulder Take throw. Take deep shots. I mean, what, they didn't even do that Saturday. So, some of that kind of stuff. I mean, you saw some signs. I mean, Wood Anderson. You saw some things to work with there. It's just you got to you got to get into some some sort of identity of what you're going to do. And again, you got to figure out your short yardage packs. But individually, I don't want to sound like the head coach. Individually, some guys did show up on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think anybody necessarily showed up on defense. Okay, Henry T. Okay, I give you that. But outside of that, who else on defense showed up? Yeah, I mean, I, I gave a shout out. I did think, you know, Bennett played hard he and, and he, he competed, but he he, he but he he wasn't overly productive. But I would, if you're talking about who's going to play opposite Daryl Taylor, I'd give him a look more than DeAndre Johnson. I mean, I know DeAndre Johnson hustled for the you know strip sack, but I mean, he was in no man's land far too often. Could not basically get off a block. I mean, I would I would lean with 
uh, Bennett over over Johnson in terms of that opposite outside linebacker spot. But, I mean, they're grasping. They really are. You know, Flowers, who'd had a strong camp, uh, I didn't think he was that great. You know, Nigel kind of had a Nigel game, you know. He, he was – sometimes you noticed he was out there, and a lot of times you didn't. But part of that, again, was scheme. I mean, they, they line, Tennessee lined up their safeties 20 yards off the field half the time. Well, and that gets me to this point. You had Sean Elliott, the head coach, who's been in this league. He knows the scheme. Talk about they felt like they could win in the line of scrimmage. Saw glaring flaws in okay. Tennessee's tape from a year ago. Okay. Well, it wasn't personnel Yikes. flaws because here's the thing. None of that defensive line personnel was playing. Right. Yeah, it's but, schematics. I mean, he. I mean, he didn't say schematics, but people shouldn't read that into being personnel because none of the personnel was here. Right. So the glaring flaw was some schematic stuff that Tennessee better take heed on. I mean, I don't know when. I don't think Georgia State's on the roster anytime or on the schedule anytime <laughs> soon. If I were Jeremy Pruitt, I'd have probably made a phone call Sunday to my quote friend Sean Elliott and said, "Hey, what'd you see?" What, what was the deal? Because obviously it, it wasn't all misalignment. They, they did some things they knew would cause Tennessee to misalign that Tennessee better find answers to. I'm not saying everybody's going to line up with a wide splits all of a sudden, but everybody watched that tape, including BYU, to say, hey, there's issues here. We can, we can exploit them by getting them out of alignment with, with stuff we do formationally. I mean – Long term, Jeremy Pruitt's got to find out the answers to that, to his schematics, in my opinion. And, and to me, that's all schematics because at the end of the day, it's not like the, the, that there was a bunch of defensive linemen that you had to scheme against because half the defensive linemen they've never seen in a defensive uniform. That, that was my whole yeah, point. Yeah. He's got a flaw, and he doesn't know who any of the personnel is. Well, 13 games, what is it, 13 games in Jeremy Pruitt's era so far? And I, I think Jeremy Pruitt, is a, his track record suggests he is a phenomenal defensive coach. And this staff has paid a lot of other guys who, who have had very, you know, varying degrees of success elsewhere. But they've given up 38 points, I think, in seven of those 13 games. 38 points. Who would have thought Tennessee fans would long for the days of John Jancic's defense? I mean, we really, well, when you I, look at the last you know, four, four I think years, they long. I think they long right now for a team to line up and compete. They do, I, I, and, and and a team that and, and a team, quite frankly, that hurts when they lose. Rob, I think that's yeah. what they long I mean, for I, as much I, I as anything. The most alarming thing, people who've been around this program a long, a long time, should have been the, the stadium in the, in the third quarter. I mean, it was what, fifty thousand people here. Oh, the people, the people in the sun. They said, "I ain't getting sunburned for this," it and they had the house. I mean that that should that should scare some decision makers up here. I mean, because you, I mean, I don't want to. Be all hyperbolic or whatever, but I mean, you're you're losing the fan base, the kind of product that they saw. Saturday. It, it, a week ago, if 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 I said, guys, Ty Chandler leads the team in rushing, gets in the end zone. JG goes for over 300 yards. Jawan Jennings goes for over 100 yards. Pump Eric Gray time. has Gray has 80. Yeah, Gray has 80 yards total offense. Dominic Wood Anderson has basically 80 yards total offense. You would have thought Tennessee wins. They lo- they really lost by fifteen. They scored a garbage touchdown with two seconds to go and got out. I mean, I just you know I answered a question on the board I think on Sunday about this. I believe it was Sunday. You know, were they overlooking you know Georgia State because they were game planning for BYU? You know all that. I just I can't buy into that when they've literally postered. Or plastered, excuse me, all over the facility. The, the never again, the scores against Alabama and Georgia and Florida and all. Every game they lost by 26. There's just picture never again. And then you come out that flat in the season opener of a year that folks are saying, you know, 
this could be the year that you come back, I just mystifying. Yeah, certainly is. A lot of questions to be answered. Not sure how many answers they can find in a hurry, but we'll start to find out this week. We'll hear more from Tennessee throughout the week. We'll have complete coverage throughout the week as well. And we'll talk more about BYU coming up on Friday in our Friday edition of the BallQuest.com podcast. That's going to do it for this edition. For Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.